Hello and welcome back to The Hit Show. My name is Danny Russell. I am the managing editor of DRaysBay.com and today I am joined by Darby Robinson. Hello, Darby. Hello, Danny. And Brett, don't call me Han. I'm recording solo Rutherford. <laughs> yeah, finally have some friends again. Um, uh, Mike Zanita almost just hit another home run, so we record, we're recording mid-game tonight. We are recording mid-game. This is a fairly instant reaction to the very big news that the Rays are attempting to send Yoshi Tsutsugo to the minors. How shocking of a move was this for you boys? I wouldn't say it's super shocking. Uh, I think if you would have told me this before the season, I, I would say that that is probably how it could have ended up. But it it is odd to get to this point, right? He He was on the fringes of kind of a big potential breakout guy. Cause his, his first season with the Rays, his first season in major league baseball, wasn't that bad. There was, uh, it was disappointing for sure, but there was a lot of underlying metrics that said, Hey, this guy's not that far off from actually having a really big year. So going into this year, his roster fit was always questionable. And they're always thought like, eventually there's going to be a roster crunch where, if everybody's healthy, there's not enough chairs when the music stops that he could be one of those guys that's moved on. Uh, I think it happened a lot earlier than we probably would have predicted before the season. It, 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 like, like, like what happened with the Angels and Albert Pujols, you come to a point where that roster spot is way more valuable than you know, like the money that you're going to be paying. And he's not a guy. If he had two more years left, maybe you hold on to him because you still would owe him the whole next year of that contract. But the fact that, like, this is it, like, this is the last year, it's a sunk cost. You're already paying him that money regardless. Might as well put someone in that roster spot that can actually positively contribute uh, to the team, which which he just hasn't. And it sucks because, you know, like Darby and I, Darby, we bought all the Yoshi stock this offseason on Raise Your Voice. We were sitting on it. We had diamond strong hands, and now we bottomed out. It's we, like we so many – like so many uh, absolute rocket ships, they exploded and crashed back to the earth. Uh, like the Chinese rocket ship. That the Chinese rocket ship that was um, Yoshi Suzuka. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that really made his roster spot just so hard, obviously he was hitting very poorly. Like it was, it was, it was a mess. It was a regression from even last year. Like th- this was far worse. Like last year he was a 98 WRC plus. He was walking at a really good clip. There was some really good contact that just wasn't falling. This year, it was few and far between. He was overmatched by any fastball. Like even even pedestrian fastballs, he couldn't catch up. Pitchers knew where to work him. So his his bat was an absolute disaster. And the biggest problem is there he offers nothing else. He's slow. He's got very bad defense kind of all over. So you by really the standards. By the race standards, especially, but like, you know, first base, very shaky, third base, very shaky outfield. Okay. Um, but when you have Margot and Phillips and Kevin Kiermeyer and Rand, like Austin Meadows is, is too bad of an outfielder for the Rays, And he's like league average to slightly below. So Yoshi just, he wasn't going to contribute offensively right now. And he definitely wasn't contributing defensively and Rays just can't hold that spot for too long. You're absolutely right. And I, you know, part of the trouble of recording an instant reaction is I'm going to spit out there my eye test and maybe we can number crunch it later and see what was going on. But it felt like Yoshi had to choose between launch angle 
and bat speed or launch angle and, you know, hard contact. Because I felt like if he was able to square up his contact, it was a low liner and it just was not successful. Or if he was able to get anything under it, it had no power. And it really just felt like a guy who was not a transition, a quad A player, right? A guy who was not making that leap to the majors. And I think that's reasonable. And that's why I actually don't think it's a terrible idea for the race say, hey, uh, we are still committed to Yoshi Tsutsugo for this season. And we'd like him to join Durham where people are having a blast. People are having a lot of fun there. You can go there, kid, and you don't have to worry about how your season's going. Just figure it out on comparable pitching and work out your timing, work out your launch angle, have a low-pressure environment, and succeed. So what you bring up there is – so they decided to DFA him instead of um, option him or or offer him the chance to accept that assignment. What that does is, one, it opened up a a 40-man roster spot when he gets DFA'd. You could technically trade him. Or he could end up going back to Japan or looking for another job in the United States. But the one benefit to maybe getting him to Durham, if he wants to, as quickly as possible, is because they might be using the juice ball down there in AAA for the time being. We don't know how long that's going to last. But if Yoshi can get down to AAA, gain some of that confidence, hit a few balls 450 feet, I don't know, that might be good for a guy that's, that's struggled really his entire time in the States. Well, think about minor league baseball. They're going to cut costs wherever they can. They already purchased this wealth of baseballs. They're going to use up the old baseballs till they're gone. Exactly. So you need to get Yoshi down. If he's going to stay in the organization, get him down to AAA stat so he can get some of the, the juiced balls. And what trading they- Yoshi is just so different from trading the average player because Yoshi comes with, uh, for lack of a better term, support staff. Yoshi comes with the translator. Yoshi comes with his own chef. Yoshi comes with his own trainer there are unique aspects to having what was a star athlete in Japan uh, come to the States and need a support system around him to support his transition over. And because he was a star player, it would be interesting to see what he can do in the minors. I think it could be a big benefit to him if he does want to pursue, uh, you know, North American baseball to kind of have a low stress environment to kind of train in to have, like you mentioned, have a fun environment to, to be a contributor on that team, to be able to adjust to fastballs and uh, kind of, you know, American style pitching, uh, major league baseball style pitching in that environment. Now he also could, I, you know, there's, there's some tanking teams out there. There's some fringe teams out there that maybe want, to try something maybe you can find you know have found dollar because again yoshi coming into this year was a pretty nice bounce back candidate he just cost a bit too much to have anybody really want to take that chance on it and yeah, the detroit tigers are starting jonathan scope at first base and he is performing worse than yoshi and and yeah so you have like the tigers are available out there uh Anybody that's in the market for say albert pujols could also be in the market for yoshi Sutsugo and but there's not a huge market for either. So it's hard to see. The fact that the National League doesn't have a DH really hurts this quite a bit. Obviously, Yoshi has a lot more athleticism than Albert does at this point in his career, but still, you don't really want to play him in the field. I do think AAA could be actually a pretty good experience for him if that's what he wants to do. If he he doesn't, I totally understand that. Um, And he can go back to Japan and, and, you know, pick up right where he left off. But... I, I do think I would like to see him. I really would like to see him in Durham and, and 
because I, I, there's a part of me that, and it's not just all the stock that's burning hole in me, <laughs> that's ruined me. Uh, there is a part of me that really did believe in him at the start when the Rays acquired him and did believe in him coming into this season. I, I stand by that. It's clearly the time to move on, but I do think there is a good player uh, in there. And uh, I hope he shows it. If it's not for the the Rays, maybe he does go to like the Tigers and, and, you know, kind of chips into where he, a little bit of where he could have been. And I hope so. I, I would really like to see that. At this point, yeah. though, if, if you're one of the teams that's in the Pujols Yoshi market, which, again, we already said is like really small. Potentially soon to be Miguel Cabrera market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Miguel Cabrera, another Tigers hit. So, I'm sorry, 2-4 in the Tigers lineup is Jonathan Scope and Miguel Cabrera. Which of them has a higher uh, weighted RC plus? I'll give you a hint. One of the answers is 47. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, is that boy. the highest one? That is the higher one. Oh, which one no. is it? <laughs> I'm going to say Cabrera. Maybe the one. Cabrera does have the higher one. The number two hitter in the Tigers lineup is Jonathan Scope with a 28 WRC plus. So like one of the reasons you'd be in the market for an Albert Pujols is because of the the clubhouse presence that he might bring to, you know, he can help mentor some of these younger players. Like we know, and they weren't even on the same team, what Albert Pujols meant to Daniel Robertson. When he was with the Rays, they work out together every offseason. We know that type of mentor that he can be and how much he knows about hitting. Like, it's nothing against Yoshi, who I'm sure is a fine teammate. Like, I don't know otherwise. He doesn't have that major league experience. He's not a league veteran. And really, he's never performed at the major league level to where, are you really going to sign Yoshi for just his production alone? Or maybe right. do you take you choose Albert Pujols over a, a guy like Yoshi? Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's where Detroit makes a little bit more sense uh than say the Orioles because they probably are looking for that veteran ad uh, that Pools could be or maybe Pools plays on the Olympic roster that's the other uh possibility for him so let's talk about the Rays roster where it is today and whether or not it's reached its final form right so we we finally move on from Yoshi and the promoter that place was Kevin Padlow not Wanda Franco not Taylor Walls, not Vidal Bruhan, but Kevin Padlow is back. I mean, I'm going to ask the same question. Are you surprised? You no, know, it makes sense because I think this could be a short stint. It, it could be a short stint, could be a long stint. We never know what the, with the Rays. But today, I think what a lot of times what they make moves for the non-star level prospects, it's for what's the need today. So it's, you recall like a, a Lewis head because it's like, oh wait, we need a, we need a shorter inning arm. You recall uh, Trevor Richards because you're like, oh, we might need a bulk pitcher. You you recall, or like when Josh Fleming came up, it was like, we need a little bit more length. I think with Padlow, you go, we have Jordan Montgomery on the mound today. You have about four left-handed pitchers coming in the next week. Uh, so there's a lot of lefties in right, the So that's where know, I was going. Up. I think Padlow's here. I think he's been promoted. He hit four home runs in six games, in the first six games of the minor league season. And now he's here again. They gave him a shot earlier. He got a taste of what it could be. It did not perform. He goes to the minor leagues. He performs like a monster. Now he's back up. I mean, he was definitely swinging for the fences. <laughs> it was like 40% strikeout rate or four home runs. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he's going to get a run here and the Rays have a three man bench on offense. And I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't stick with that. Right. Now, hold on. Let me check. 
Yes, the bench is Kevin Smith, Kevin Padlow, and Mike Brasso, uh, assuming a right-handed lineup. With so, with G-Man coming back. And so with, do you yeah. – you've got like eight and a half relievers, I guess you'd say right now, like Luis Patino, Josh Fleming, uh, even guys like Rich Hill and Shane McClanahan, their roles aren't really set in stone. The only guy whose role is set in stone right now is Tyler Glass now pitching every Correct. fifth day. Uh, so do you cut back from the bullpen? Because in terms of the position players, even though you're rocking the three-man bench right now, there's still some more fat that might need to be trimmed before you're, the roster gets to what Danny said, the quote-unquote final form, uh, which I don't know if ever exists with the Tampa Bay Rays. No uh, but, the, <laughs> but the other guy that's not performing uh, is Mike Brasso right now. Going in tonight, I know he's playing tonight, uh, 241 on base percentage, 72 WRC+. plus. He does offer some positional versatility. He can play first, second, third, left. Uh, doesn't do any of those really great. Um, but like, how far is it... like? As you see, guys like Kevin Padlow, and we talk about what Vidal Brujan, obviously Wander Franco will be here eventually. Like, when does the when does the the fat sort of get trimmed, and we see Mike Brasso maybe go to the wayside? If Padlow is performing, and Kiermaier is ready to come back off the IL, then I think you have a decision to make. Uh, Brasso has three options remaining, uh, and one easily could be burned at this stage in his career. Uh, the dude's 27, right? He's not, this is, this is kind of the time for him to work on getting his timing up. The whole reason why Brasso started the year at the major league level is they were saying, we want to make sure he continues to get his reps in because Brasso is the kind of player who will flourish through playing time, which is the same thing they said about Joey Wendell, who is the top performing position player on your 2021 Tampa Bay race. Joey Wendell is playing very well with the opportunity he's been given extending back through the playoffs when he took third base from, hold on, let me check my notes. <laughs> Yandi. It says here, it says here Yoshi Sutsugo. <laughs> Technically. So, yeah. I, I, so Brasseau has come through with some hugely clutch moments, right? Like nobody can, nobody can deny that. He does have a, a nice spot here, similar to Padlo. Bunch of lefties coming up. You do want to uh, give you know him some run here, but yeah, there. I think we saw Yoshi's end of the line when G-Man was ready because that's sort of his spot: first base slash DH, left-handed bat. That's that was going to G-Man Choi. So now that G-Man is almost ready, this is kind of that good opportunity where Yoshi. It's pretty much end of the line. I do think Danny's right. I think KK is the next, like, that's the decision point, right? That's the, okay, Padlo, Brasso, do either stick? Do you do both stick or do you just keep one? It's hard to fit both. It really is hard to fit both once you add Kevin Kiermeyer. I think Brett Phillips has played himself into a valuable position, right? He, his defense is incredibly valuable. His speed is incredibly valuable. Uh, and his, his hitting has been pretty decent. You know, I mean, he's over hundred WRC plus, like that's, that's more than enough for the elite level defender that he is and an elite speed that he has. So I think until Kevin Kiermaier comes back, you can, you can try out some stuff. You can, you can give some, some guys some run like Padlo and like Grosso. Um, but yeah, I think you have to, they, they're, they're, they know that if they don't perform and we're looking at the start of June, and suddenly, this suddenly you wander and Bruhan 
they there's a, a certain point where you are doing a disservice by keeping them there. Right now, I do think they they do benefit from the consistent playing time. I mean, Wander has not played a game above double A until this season. He's immediately destroying uh higher elevate higher level um you know uh positions prospects here, but you do need to give him some time because they missed this huge year of competitive baseball, but that is a very short runway before they're, they're up. So that runway is short, but this is the time to experiment with guys and see if Russo and, and Padlo can be a contributor as a bench player. And, and luckily are- for, Luckily for Brasso, there's plenty of pitchers that you can feel more comfortable. Sorry, Chris Mazza, Lewis Head, Ryan Sheriff. Yeah. He's not a DFA candidate. He's got the three options. He's still valuable on the 40-man roster. If you know a guy like Kevin Padlow or Vidal Brujan or Wander Franco trades places with him on the big league roster, you're comfortable with that. He can go get his at-bats at, at AAA. I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, it's, it's the pitching where playing around is going to get very interesting very quickly. Uh, I'm Michael Walker getting hurt, uh, uh, pulling a hammy, basically, uh, kind of delayed the experimentation. But what's really interesting is the Rays got Rich Hill to agree that the best uh, the best decision to make in the interest of him continuing to pitch all season was to transition Rich Hill into an opener role. And even thinking about him as a lefty pitching every third day or something like that, it still as a starter, quote unquote, but then opening and then maybe bringing in a, a right-hander like Patino behind him or Colin McHugh and kind of mixing it up that way. Um, or if necessary, going from Rich Hill into one of the lefties. But that that idea of moving Rich Hill to uh, a short a shorter uh, role was thwarted when he needed to be called upon to pitch six innings when Walker got hurt and he went back on a normal rest and he pitched six really quality innings. So Rich Hill is back to being a starter again, instead of an opener. And then on top of that, uh, beyond Fleming and Yarbrough, you have the emergence of Shane McClanahan into a four inning legitimate starting pitcher that uh, maybe you could throw an opener in front of him, but it looks like the Rays don't want to mess with McClanahan in that way. Uh, he's been given starts, uh, and I think he's going to continue to get that role. The guy who might be on the bubble is Luis Patino, the 21-year-old, who the Rays need to decide what his future is going to be. Uh, he's gotten two starts out of four or five appearances. Fourth ap- uh, appearance, it's only his second start, and it's 2.2 innings, two innings, three innings, and then whatever happens tonight. Did go four I innings tonight. Three. It's four total. So... I mean, is he a starter? He pitched on the 25th, the 29th, the 4th, and then the 11th. What are the Rays doing with Luis Patino? Is this just an experiment to get his feet wet? Is he going to come into some kind of rotational role where he's pitching every fifth day? I, it's not very clear to me. The, the biggest thing there, it started out, it looked like he was basically coming in as he building up starter or starter as in like you might throw him after an opener but it's basically a starter he started against toronto went one time through the order then he came in after a after a a a bulk or he was came in as a bulk guy against oakland about four days later then came in about five days later against the angels um that one was piggybacking with mcclanahan so they were kind of like 
both of them limited. They only had about maybe two times max through the order. So piggyback them and they pretty much took it most of the game. It was, I think, four and three. And then by that point, it was completely out of control because the Angels defense like made like probably seven more errors in that game. Uh, and, and that was all that. And so now today, his last appearance was five, four. So yeah, May 4th. So it's been a little bit of time. The Oakland series was kind of a little bit of a, a mix up because it, they, they had too much good pitching. <laughs> they like ended up sure having uh you know, you had Rich Hill, you mentioned it six fantastic innings. There was a game where the, the Rays were about to be no hit or perfected during the same day as Wade Miley's no hitter. But Rich Hill was determined to make this winnable game. And that's what he did. He got it to the point where the Rays got their walk, broke up the perfect game. Then Brasso broke up the no hitter. Then Zunino broke up the shutout. And suddenly the Rays were tied. They eventually lost. But that was an amazing start by Rich Hill. Tyler Glasnow wasn't his best start, but he still gave you length. And so it basically... They didn't need to have any piggybacks that series. It just lined up so well. And then they finally had an off day. So it seems like Patino is on a normal schedule of usage. How he actually is used, that's going to be the It's going to be weird to see what they decide to do in terms of piggybacking because it's very clear that uh, McClanahan, Yarbrough, Fleming, Hill, none of these guys are being given a, a workhorse role. It's, it's Tyler Glass now for sure. And then what the heck happens next? Uh, Chris Archer is going to come back from injury at some point. Maybe he's on the shorter side of things. Maybe he's an opener. Michael Walker needs to pitch for length. So maybe he's pitching on the other side of Rich Hill. Uh, Colin McHugh can pitch for length. And so now I'm starting to wonder, okay, do you need Luis Patino at all if you get all these other guys coming back? Go ahead, Brett. I think the Rays right now, to, to use a Joe Maddenism, they've got a yes. really great mix of stage one and stage five ball players. So if you mm. remember Joe Madden's five stages, stage one, guys that are just happy to be here. That's probably your Fleming, your McClanahan, your Patino. Then you got stage two, which is like survival. Like they they don't uh they they not they don't believe in themselves. They're not confident that they belong to be in the big leagues. Stage three, they finally start to feel that they belong. Stage four, they're just trying to get big contracts, make as much money as possible. And uh, Gary Sanchez just homered. Sorry. Um, and stage five, the guys that just want to win. And so the guys that have made their, you know, had some sizable contracts, have been in the big leagues. That's your Michael Waka, your Rich Hill, your Chris Archer, who we've all seen. And I think Rich Hill has really embraced his non-role more than any of them. Uh, they're willing to pitch out of the bullpen. They're willing to pitch behind openers. He's willing to pitch every third day, be much more flexible. I think right now, and maybe the, it, it takes a little bit more solid footing later in the season, but right now they've got a good mix of like some stage one guys who are really just happy to pitch in the big leagues and some stage five guys that are just trying to do whatever they can to, to try to push for, for a championship. I agree with everything you said, except maybe Josh Fleming is a stage three. He might be. Yeah, no, no definitely. <laughs> he, might like, be. he might be. I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean, he's been like, it's, it's crazy how much he's performed. I think over everyone's expectations, uh, uh, in the same way that like Ryan Yarbrough did when he started his career and like Jake Faria for like a couple of months when he came out and was like almost a rookie of the year candidate if it weren't for Aaron Judge. Well, and and I think that's the thing that you can sort of say with a lot of the Rays pitchers because I think you come into this year 
And the Rays pitching is, is usually their strength, pitching and defense, right? That's going to be how the Rays live and die. And this year, it's been the exact same. It, it's pitching and defense. And when their defense kind of struggled at the very start of the season, they lost some games that they probably should have won. There's, they have probably about like two losses on there that were like, that should have been a win. They just needed to be tightened. That wasn't there. Currently, they have, they're in the top 10 in team pitching, both bullpen and starters. And that's important because they do use starters in the bullpen. So it kind of mixes up and hard for the data. But this raise rotation, the guys that you're expected to get multiple innings, not single use, you know, high leverage relievers like Diego Castillo or Pete Fairbanks, they've been performing really well. Like if you go down the list, they've gotten more out of Rich Hill or Michael Walker than I think a lot of people expected. A lot of people were scoffing about both of them and they have both performed pretty well. Tyre Glass now has ascended to better than a lot of people preseason predicted. Not us here, obviously. We, we always love Tyler Glass now. But a lot of people, I think, sort of saw him as the third guy. He is definitely a true, true ace in baseball. This pitching has been kind of dominant. They've used a ton of innings. They've mixed that up. And so they've had a really good sort of baseline of pitchers so that they might have a guy like Luis Patino who has performed really well. I mean, he went four innings today, really only had two mistakes, a, a cross up with Mike Zunito that was a, a wild pitch and a home run to Aaron Judge, which he does that sometimes. But other than that, kept the Yankees off the board and that's with Stanton and DJ and Luke Voigt back. So very impressive to go four innings against the Yankees and pretty much hold them to just one, one long fly and that's about it. But he might be the odd man out at least because you have Ryan Yarbrough and Josh Fleming who belong and Shane McClanahan. Who right. And Patino is certainly young enough that he is, uh, it is a reasonable demotion to AAA to continue working, uh, especially if you want to get him in a five day rotation, if you want to build him up in that way. And Patino is a guy already that what we've seen is that he does have unbelievable stuff. It's that explosive stuff, similar to Shane McClanahan where you're like, Oh man, this guy, can get any batter out. If he executes his pitches, there's no batter that can beat him. He made Mike Trout look silly and Mike Trout also got him too, but that happens. Uh, and that's, and that's sort of how it goes. Uh, you well, so the so roster space what, though. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking about how this roster has been constructed, thinking about DFAing Yoshi and what does that mean for the long term? And in the, in the short term, it means you can continue rolling with your eight man bullpen. Uh, or is it nine? Hold on. Nine, nine man bullpen, <laughs> uh, 26 man roster. got to keep that in mind. But uh, the, the future state of this is going to, is going to get weird on us because if we like this piggybacking idea, if we start doubling up or assigning off with, uh, the, the injured pitcher or whatever into this mix, if you're assigning Patino to Fleming and a, Waka to Hill and Archer to Yarbrough or whatever you start doing there, you're, you're running out of room very quickly because there's the four high leverage dudes, which would be um, all the four relievers who pitched on Sunday in the win over Oakland where uh, Ryan Thompson and Pete Fairbanks got a hold. Jeffrey Springs got the win and Kittredge got the save. The four of them, are proving to be legit in, in this first half of the year. 
for high leverage in the bullpen. So if you assume that they're safe, which we shouldn't, but if you do, then you also have three guys that you can't option at all in Strickland, McHugh, and Reed. Okay, I've made it to seven. So where's my room for Patino, Waka, and Archer to, to come into that mix? I it's 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 kind of falling apart on me. I don't really see it. If, falling apart that, if everybody's way. healthy, if it's falling, if it's falling. Yeah, it's falling apart. I can't also fit all of these gold Diego bars. Castillo is not back yet from his uh, what was it? A strained groin. Yes. Uh, yeah. so, it always hurts to say that out loud. It's never great. No. <laughs> but, but this is this is a a, a a I can't fit all these gold bars onto my mantle uh, type of problem because you do have like Kittredge performing well was huge and same with Strickland because you when you lose Pete Fairbanks and you lose Nick Anderson suddenly that's a lot of high leverage innings that you're going to need and they picked up the slack tremendously but there does come a time when you might see a good reliever have to go or a good starter that has an option get optioned and I think when that situation comes up that's just the way the Rays baseball works. And I think they handle it professionally with the players to let them know like this, you're, you're coming back. Like when, if, if Patino or McClanahan or Fleming for that matter gets optioned, it is not a, you know, get out of here. It's probably a, just see you later. Keep it fresh. Here's what we're wanting from you. You are a part of this team and the Rays don't run a 26 man like roster. They run a 40 man roster. For sure. They, they absolutely, like you have, we've already seen Lewis head come up and back and come up and back. We've seen Chris Mazza. The man has got frequent flyer miles, like coming back and forth and back and forth before the injury. You, if you're on the 40 man roster, or if you are a veteran that is on the taxi squad, you are definitely going to see action at some point. Now you're going to try to keep, you're going to try to stay around on the big league roster, but you are going to be used again and again and again and in and out for pretty much 162 games. So you got to stay for Austin. The other thing DFAing Yoshi Satsuko does for this team is it does make it a little bit easier to play with those extra roster spots for the rest of the Durham Bulls that we want to see come up beyond Padlo and considering whether or not Brasso is up or down. Uh, I mean, at some point the Rays do need to start considering can Walls do this? Can Bruhan do this? Are we ready to promote Franco? Because once you or Franco, whichever it's supposed to be, because <laughs> once you do, yeah, you, you really can't send him back. That's one where it's gonna look really or he's you promote him too early and he's not performing well. I mean, heaven forbid this generational talent doesn't perform well, but how do you pick which one of them you bring up first? How dare you not pick Josh Lowe, who's probably just waiting for an injury at this point? Um it's it's a mess, and the future of the Rays is that infield, presumably, presumably. But if if everything's going well with the system, your Rays infield is whatever's happening at first base, and those three. And in the meantime, you have Brandon Lau and Joey Wendell and Willie Adamas holding those positions down. Should they be? And Yandy Diaz. I mean, he's in there. He's mostly been in the first base spot, but like Yandi is still a third baseman that you could have out there. The only reason he's not is because they really didn't have a first baseman with G-Man out, so they needed him over there. Um, what you're looking at too, Willie Adamas has not performed 
uh, as well as his lower lower metrics have. Brandon Lau is starting to get back into that into the real Brandon Lau. His versus lefty numbers are still like ridiculously low, and those are going to regress back to the mean positively. And then yeah, Joey Wendell has been in everything. So when what you're going to probably see with certain players is we've seen that positional versatility, right? We're seeing right now in Durham, and that's one of the things, you know, it's it's an old joke about the, like, needing to work on their defense in Durham. That's just an excuse to, you know, manipulate people's service time. Hi, Jared Kelnick. Welcome to the majors on Thursday. Um, it looks like you showed enough on defense in those two games to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to show it. Um, but when you, when you think about a guy like Vidal Bruhan, he doesn't have a lot of outfield experience and an outfield is really a lot about getting those reps and seeing how the ball travels off the bat, especially lines, the trop. reading lines and at the trop, especially. So getting that reps in now in Durham in the outfield will be very important for him. So you're going to see Vidal Bruhan. He can play second. Obviously we know that he can maybe even do some short, but being able to man center field or right field, left field, that's going to be really big because maybe you do have Brandon Lau at second base, but you can get Bruhan into the lineup. Wander, he's a shortstop, but maybe you have him at third and you have Wendell now as a super utility guy that can give somebody a rest. You can give uh, Willie a rest or Brandon Lau a rest or even play a little bit of the outfield. Yeah, but it's not about giving rest. You want to promote these kids and let them play. But I'm saying with Wendell, he's you you suddenly take a guy that's playing really well like joey wendell and you still get wendell a bunch of playing time it's just not at the expense of wander but you do have them play but you can but the but everybody with 162 games is going to need some breathers i mean we talked about the home runs and that's why maybe pavlo's up now and he's a a fairly mature hitter when it comes to considering was on the triple a roster but he was not performing as well as Bruhan Walls in Franco through the first week. And that's all we have. We don't have the alternate training site, which doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, this is supposed to be a transition year. Great. Okay. When does the transition happen? And was the Sitsugo DFA at the beginning of the transition? No, I definitely, I don't, if, if there's, if, if we go into this uh, transition that you've coined, this season uh that would be a move of a guy like willie adamas or Mm -hmm. maybe even a brandon Lau, or if things fall off the rails god forbid knock on wood tyler glass now if those guys start to move but it's like i'm not i don't don't like talking about trading glass now no no that that something would have to go seriously wrong but like you could see an adamas or a wendell trade this year which would be a clear opening up of, of space for for Franco or for a Bruhan or for a Walls, Yoshi Yoshi like sorry he just sucked like it wasn't about <laughs> opening up like we didn't cut Yoshi to get Kevin Padlow in to face some lefties like that wasn't <laughs> the goal we had Kevin Padlow up here earlier in the season face like for these type of situations uh, for Yoshi it was like okay this just didn't work out uh, it doesn't really open up a spot for even like the outfielders or really anybody except for G Man Troy coming back off the IL so. I don't know. I think for right now, we're only a couple games out of first place still, or three games out of first place still. I, I don't think you can commit to the transition. I mean, you've got guys like Joey Wendell playing as the best player on the team really right now. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm sure they'll make moves that'll the, shock me later the, in the season. The other thing is you don't 
with 162 games, you don't need to make those calls right now. You right. don't need to rush these things, especially with a guy like Wander Franco, who has played, was it five games above the single A level? Like that's, that's yeah. it. I mean, yes, he's great, but like Juan Soto was playing double A when he got promoted as a teenager. So even, even the largest jumps are going to need a little bit of time because the Rays do not want to see, they want to set Wander up for success. He is such a guy that you have to kind of do extraordinary things to make sure that they are in the best place to succeed. This team is also competing. I mean, right now we're looking at a landscape in Major League Baseball where there is no great team right now. There is a bunch of really good teams and good teams and not so good teams and like three awful teams. But everybody is within this big range. The Rays right now are in this spot where they're second in the division, maybe third, depending upon like the day with, you know, it's all within a half a game. This is all coming off of a 30 games out of 31 day stretch. They have played more games against above 500 competition than any team in baseball, but more than a dozen of any team in baseball. They have faced a huge, tough stretch to start this season of really good teams, really tough schedule and some very key injuries. And they've somehow come out of that two games above 500 and playing pretty good baseball with a chance to have more. So you can, you still have, and with five months to go. So I think there are transitions to be made, but I do think you've bought yourself quite a bit of time because the guys that are working are working and maybe you can now supplement as you go throughout the season. There's a lot that's different about this season for the players and the way you run a team. But I think as fans, we have to remember like what it's like to watch and consume a 162 game baseball season. Last year, the Rays had like one bad stretch. It was the five game losing streak against Baltimore and Atlanta. Like this year, they've already had probably like two distinct like quote unquote bad stretches. And there's going to be more. And that like they could still win the division with several more bad quote unquote stretches throughout the season. Like it's 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 a bit of a, a a shock to go back to this 162 game season where it's like, oh yeah, we've lost three in a row. We might win, you know, six out of the next eight. Who cares? Can I throw a uh, a surprise contender for Willie Adamas trade? Sure. Oakland. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Who's Elvis Andrews is right out now? there. I just looked That's up right. Elvis Andrews. He has an 18 WRC plus. We haven't done business with like significant business with them since the Zobris trade. I want to say right. That sounds right to me. Unless you count the Joey Wendell trade as a serious business. Oh, that's was that a trade or was that a waiver claim? It was a trade for Jonah Heim. Jonah Heim, who's now with Texas, Texas right, Ranger, right, right. Mm-hmm. like 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 every other old player. Uh, <laughs> Oakland's interesting. The biggest thing with Oakland is they probably do need to make a trade for like a Willie Adamas, but I don't know the. Well, so the, exactly the big fish is Trevor Story, ammunition. right? But Trevor Story is going to be a Yankee or whatever, and then we'll just have to deal, right? <laughs> it, but but that's but that's the key. Well, Oak, you know, Colorado will give away a Story for for pennies. We've seen that, but Oakland doesn't have a lot of prospect depth. That's they're in a kind of a tough situation where they are. They have some. They have some pieces, but their cupboard is not super packed. They have some good young players on their major league roster that could potentially be, because I think with Willie, you're, you're looking at the future, but you need with the Rays, they they're not trading for bulk. They're trading for high end. You need a big return, either close or further away, but they don't need like a bunch of 40 value guys. They're 
the cupboard's too full. They're going to lose those guys to rule five soon. Mm -hmm. But I could see a, a pitching kind of shakeup. They, Oakland doesn't have, uh, they're, they're, Oakland has some good pitchers in the AAA level that have not been able to be promoted because their starting pitching has done pretty well, uh, especially with the emergence of Cole Irvin. So maybe you use one of those as a centerpiece and you maybe upgrade some pitching depth from another position like that. But Oakland could definitely use a defender of Willie's caliber. Uh, I don't know, something about, maybe it's this uh, neon green Willie Adamas bobblehead I have next to me right here. Uh, He'd look amazing in the the Kelly green. He would the glow he in the would. dark uh, Adamus uh, bobblehead is sending me here. With the white spikes, I think Adamus could pull off Oakland. And again, I don't want to trade Willie. I love Willie. He <laughs> took the mantle for my favorite player on the team this year over Yandi. Uh, so I, I hope we keep him. But yeah, who knows how long that'll last. <laughs> I mean, the Athletics have, what, one top 100 prospect and it's a catcher. I mean, the other team is the Reds, who are like attempting to play Eugenio Suarez at shortstop. Yeah, I, I, how many errors can they see before they're like, maybe we should move them to third base again? Uh, I guess I, just, I don't, I don't. The Reds don't strike me as a logical trading partner with anybody. I don't uh, know what the Reds, Reds and Logic don't really go well together right now. So I, it's hard to <laughs> hard to really picture that either. I think it's a it's a it's an interesting situation where the Rays are in, right? Yoshi Sutsugo gets DFA'd, and there's a number of avenues they can go with from there. They are in a spot where there is enough, they have maybe too many good players for how many roster spots there are. So now it's a matter of upgrading to the best version of the team as it goes. But with 162 games, you don't necessarily front load that. You keep that. And make sure that you have you make sure you have your best version ready to go down the stretch and healthy. So how they manage that that is a much higher pay grade than than I can make. But Yoshi just didn't fit into the short or long term goals with the team. I think that's at the end of the day that's just all that it is because he wasn't helping right now and he wasn't going to be there for the future. And so. That's that's business. And there's uh, still time for Tommy Pham to uh, rebound and outperform him. <laughs> it may be. We'll see. If he can get one, he just needs one in the gap. Right. Because the, then, the story there six is dozen you took more. the Pham money, you traded Tommy Pham, and you replaced it with Hunter Renfro and Yoshi. Well, it's really interesting. The way we framed it on on Raise Your Voice like at the, during the offseason, the beginning of last season, is not to look at the individual trades – or not to look at the trades individually, but to look at the 2019 outfield and compare it to the 2020 outfield. And that was really banking on, and it really paid off in the postseason on Randy Rosarena being as good as he was. Now, Renfro sucked. Yoshi sucked. Fam has not been good for, for San Diego. But Randy Rosarena is the one that's like really coming through. Uh, even this year has not been good for reasons like was stabbed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to be fair, to be fair. He had three home runs last year, pre-stabbing, and a <laughs> yeah. slugging percentage of 311. <laughs> so the stabbing definitely took his slugging percentage from 311 to 211. So it went from <laughs> below replacement level to, yikes, losing playing time to jerks and Profar in the left field. Um, yeah, so it's 
it's one of those great lose, lose, lose for everybody. Who who picked your poison? Renfro and Yoshi. Yoshi, by the way, was the only one of all of them that was actually positive in war last year. So good for Yoshi. <laughs> he was the one bringing it up. Renfro was negative. Bam was deeply in the red. It's And this year he went back to negative. So it like kind of washed. So it's a solid. Who wins in negative four F4 versus negative five F4? The, the winner is the Brewers who got Avasiel Garcia. Mm, yes, exactly. The ones that, did, that spent a little bit of money and don't have any of those players <laughs> right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's wild. So, Yoshi, before we go, could, should we should we talk about because he is a he was a big free agent signing. Rays don't do too many free agent signings. He was not. He didn't work out. So, where do we rank him as in terms of worst? Because I don't think he's the worst. I think his the ending is really bad, but I don't think he's he's the worst. It, it's different because, like, I never got to see him play. Like, obviously, like, I could watch him play on TV, but, like, I had never had any interactions with him. Like, the fan experience. Like, we don't really – we never really got to know Yoshi, like, other than he came over as Yoshi Tomo in his initial press conference. He said, I want to go by Yoshi. Last year he played behind closed doors until the World Series. Like, this year, I know there's been fans back. So, it's like, in terms of, like, the type of guy he is, I don't – it's – maybe he's a little bit easier to rank ahead of a one Pat Burrell. Uh, who's a questionable <laughs> person. Um, but uh, I, I think in terms of play, a lot of his negative play is going to be overshadowed by the fact the Rays uh, went to the World Series last year. Yeah, if he, if if you compare, the Rays were a World Series team without Satsuba, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, well, the Rays were a World Series team without <laughs> Pat Burrell, too. Um, <laughs> Uh, but if Yoshi comes in and we keep trying to hit him like fourth in the lineup last year or first in the lineup or wherever and then all of a sudden we miss out or we get eliminated in the first round and it's like we've got this black hole in our lineup and I think there's a lot more of like a negative outlook on his Rays tenure but it's like well yeah Yoshi was on the team he never really hit well but the Rays were still awesome and we were able to replace him in the lineup with more than capable guys the one thing with Yoshi that does that does go for him is that he had a disappointing rookie year, but it was replacement level. Pat Burrell was very negative the entire time he was here. He hit better, but he was just a black hole of both charisma and talent with the Rays. And then I think the fact that after he gets cut, he then puts up a nearly three win season with the Giants after is like the final like big middle finger from that oily bastard. So I think <laughs> you, you really can't compare that. That one was, I think also at the time, it's like, this was like a, he was a major league player, right? Like this, Yoshi, there was a transition. Like you, it's, that's, that's always there. This is a major league player who has been a solid major league hitter for years. And he just who, forgot to hit entirely. Who was the pitcher that like in 1996, the, uh, the first draft of the devil Rays did that when the Rays got their debut for the expansion in, in 1996. And they threw that. I, yeah. That, that's an Adam. That's an Adam question. We'll pose it to him. Hold on. Uh, I'll, I'll just Google it right now. I, I feel bad that I have uh, I have forgotten. 
This the other one race first round draft picks. The, the <laughs> other one is like Manny Ramirez, who was like going to get bop, popped for PEDs again, and then had to like was forced to retire after seventeen plate appearances in in one single. Uh, in an RBI, Hideki, Hideki Matsui, who posted a twenty WRC plus and a Oof. negative one WAR. He even got up to the, a, a full win below replacement in a hundred plate appearances. That's hard to do. Uh. You know, another Grant one Balfour, on second time. Grant, Grant, I was Balfour. just about to say Grant. I think Grant, it's hard to rank him as low as he probably deserves on this for that pitcher for the Rays that you have the good memories. But uh, he was uh, he was not good that second time. And they probably shouldn't have signed him after the medical wait. You know, it's still Grant, so you kind of are rooting for him. Yeah, I mean, the other example of that, and he was not nearly as bad as any of the other names we've mentioned, was like Carlos Pena coming back the second time through, and he, he was at least serviceable. Matt White. Matt, Matt White. Oh, yeah, okay. $10.2 million signing bonus in 1996 with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. What is $10.2 million in today? Because they got nothing. He was drafted by the Giants in the 96 Amateur Draft? But his agent, Scott Boris, found a loophole that allowed White to become a free agent after the Giants failed to offer him a contract in 10 days. And so he signed with the Devil Rays. Oh. That was that <laughs> it's not the, a good result. That and the Teixeira uh, draft situation was like the beginning of the this relationship between the Rays and Scott Boris. It's never gotten better. So inflation calculator. Some random inflation calculator online. I'm going to put in 10.2 and calculate is $17 million in today's money. So at least Yoshi only got 12. No, no raised player has ever made that in a single season. Ever since. <laughs> it went out of that late. Like in terms of salary, there no one's made that much. I think the highest was Morton at 15. And now, and now Scott Boris doesn't get to get those anymore from the draft. That was that used to be his uh, his big thing, but he'll have to cry himself to sleep over another you know ten year contract that he gets inked. <laughs> Is it in the top three though? Pat yes. Burrell, Matt White, Yoshi Satsugo. I'm gonna say I this. think disappointment, right? So I think like, Grant Balfour fails probably his second time through mm. but it's a reliever so like the damage is a replacement level reliever you know that that could go to anybody so that yes you the Rays could have found a better reliever during that time but I don't think it's as bad of a or Carlos Pena for instance like it was not a huge money deal it's more for fun and he became more of a uh like a rotational guy good for the clubhouse I do think you probably have to put Yoshi in that. And maybe not the worst overall, but just most disappointing free agent signings, worst, bad, just the, the full feeling. I think it's probably those three. Because you, you have a ton of money to a, to a young right. kid that never plays. You have Pat Burrell, who just beats you in the World Series and then just takes yeah, a dump on the field. And then tanks your next year. And, sure. and then Yoshi is more... Again, I feel like Yoshi is the one of those that I feel the most sympathy for. I feel really bad 
for how things went with Yoshi. I don't think anything, you know, I don't, I don't blame the Rays actually for, for making the signing. I think it was a good aggressive signing and his first year, that rookie year is exactly what you would hope for, for in one off season of coming over, stop, start pandemic, new league, all of that. It's that this, this season, the full training camp and everything building up and the, and the opportunity with G man injured. It was such a, it was such a, like a deflation of a balloon that, that that hurts. It, it's because like last year or when, when Yo- the offseason Yoshi was signed, say he went to the, I don't know, the White Sox for the same deal, two years, 12 million. Everyone would be like, oh, well, the Rays couldn't afford two years, 12 million to add a left-handed power bat to the to the lineup. And so they went and did it. Like I like, like they were somewhat aggressive. It didn't pan out, uh, but ultimately it didn't hurt them that much either. They've been able to make the additions necessary at least last year and hopefully this year too to to compete and it, this one just didn't pan out. But we wish Yoshi the best. I, I think, I hopefully think in our see, organization. Yeah. I, I would love to see him in down in Durham having some fun with the, the kiddos and, uh, and mashing some of those juiced balls uh, instead of Manfred's complete deadened balls. <laughs> That's right. I got to work in Manfred's deadened balls into the podcast. So uh, I think that's where we end it. <laughs> that's going to be the title, I think. We, we don't even need to put Yoshi's name in the title. People will come running to download that episode. Uh, please. <laughs> uh. All right, well, thanks for listening to The Hit Show. <laughs> it's been a blast. Like, rate, and review. That's That's YouTube, but... You know, <laughs> smash the like button, ring the bell. What, Brett, what do you want me to say at the end of these podcasts? Uh, Actually, just, don't tell me. Don't tell uh, me. Yeah, all right. I think we're going to end it here. Check out Who's on Worst, the only like actually good podcast we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. I, dear listener, I'm always amazed that you choose to sully yourself with our whole crap. Uh, on these podcasts who's on worst is the only thing of quality coming out of D-Ray's band anymore please listen to that <laughs>